All right, we got, this is part three of the glory, okay? Okay, I'm just going to say some things tonight, and I'm, this isn't real long. But God is, he's got a remnant right now that he's preparing for the coming increase, the coming harvest. And you guys are going to be a part of it. I know that, you know, I'm going to be one of the only people probably not surprised when things really open up and God starts bringing in a a huge harvest. Because the Lord has shown it to me and he's shown it through the prophets. I'm talking about people like Steve Hill and and John Kilpatrick, Benny Baker, many others. There's a harvest that is right in front of us. But the Lord wants us to be ready for the harvest, so he's trying to prepare the laborers that are going to be used in a powerful way. And just kind of moving with the, the Holy Spirit is here tonight as the spirit of prophecy in many ways. The book of Revelation says the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. But he's come as the spirit of prophecy. And just moving with that, I feel, Brianna, that the Holy Spirit is saying that there's, there's now been a new mantling in your life for worship. And there's an increase of authority, an increase of anointing on you in that realm. And some of you guys, you've really received something from the Lord tonight. It's significant. I'm not sure that everybody really totally grasped how significant what you got tonight but it was it was something in the way of a generational blessing with that connection with blessing Israel and this ministry was something significant with that the glory fire but number three there was some of you that really got an impartation like a mantling of some kind but I want you I want everybody to please tonight give me your best ear because I really feel that this last sermon on the glory I'm going to deal at the end of it with overcoming the lies of the enemy. And I feel in my heart that the Lord has shown me that there's some people that you've had like a stubborn issue in your life that hasn't budged and it's been frustrating. And I feel like with some people, I'm not saying this across the board, but with some people it has to do with believing a lie of the enemy. I'm going to get to that at the end. So stay with me. All right, the glory of God is His manifest presence, His weighty presence. The glory of God is what you feel when you feel that heavy presence of God on you. And what I love the way that, you know, Brianna said last night, it felt like she was just melting into the carpet. That's the glory. You feel like something is on you that's heavy, and you just feel like you're just kind of just melting into the floor. And it's not a scary thing, it's a wonderful thing. It's being in the manifest presence of God. And that's a really good description. But the glory of God is what we need desperately. What I talked about last week, the glory is a sign that things are good. Because listen, God will not put his glory where there's sin, where there's compromise, where there's evil, where people are tolerating something like a Jezebel spirit. Whether whether we're you know somebody in, in a leadership is is having an affair, or they're they're ripping off, they're stealing money, different things. God's not going to put His glory on that. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory, and the glory will be what's the first thing to go when people start sinning. So where there's the glory of God in a place, remember that I said this: it's a good sign. 
And we need the Word of God, but we also need the Holy Spirit and His glory desperately. Let me give you an example. There's a saying, and I'm going to explain it, that where you have the Word of God, sometimes people dry up. And where you have the Spirit of God, sometimes people blow up. But where you have the Word of God and the Spirit of God together, people grow up. They mature. So you can see that even some of these word, word faith people are wonderful. Man, I love Kenneth Hagin's ministry. I love his ministry. But even some in the word ministry, they're so focused on the word of God that they're dry. It's dry. And then you've got some people that are so focused on the Holy Spirit, they've gotten away from the word, and they're just focused on the Holy Spirit, and they've gotten goofy, to say the least. And weird. But whenever you have the Holy Spirit and the Word together, then you have spiritual maturity. The Word of God, all of a sudden where the Spirit of God is, the Word of God brings life. But you need the Holy Spirit to get the Word in people. You understand the Holy Spirit is the one that prepares the soil. The Holy Spirit is the one that waters that seed. He's the one that causes the Word of God to be full of life. I've had people tell me, and this is only by the Spirit of God, I've had people tell me after a sermon, well, when you said this, it really touched me, and I never said that. But the Holy Spirit said it. Do you see what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit can take something, and He can, he can put it in somebody, where it'll apply to 20 different people, 20 different ways, and, but it totally ministers to him. He's God Almighty. He's amazing. But only he can do that. But here's some things about the glory. Number one, the glory, Isaiah 4.4. I talked about this last week too. The Lord will wash away the filth of the women of Zion. He will cleanse the bloodstains from Jerusalem by a spirit of judgment and a spirit of fire. Then the Lord will create over all of Mount Zion and over all those who assemble there a cloud of smoke by day and a glow of a flaming fire by night. Over everything, the glory will be a canopy. One translation says a defense. And it will be a shelter and a shade from the heat of the day and a refuge and a hiding place from the storm and the rain. In these last days, the glory is going to come over the, the people of God that will live holy. The glory will come over them and it will be a shelter. It will be a refuge from these end time plagues and storms. The glory of God will be necessary to have in our lives. And let me tell you, the glory of God is an individual thing before it's a corporate thing. And let me show you what I mean. When Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, I've already gone over this, I'm just recapping, but they were nude before they ate the fruit. So what was the big deal after they ate the fruit about being naked if they already were naked? Because they were created in God's image. And the Bible says in Psalms that God wrapped himself in light as with a garment. So he wraps himself. So in other words, the people of God, whenever Adam, before he sinned, he was wrapped in the glory of God as a garment. It was a, it was a robe of light. And the same thing with Eve. And whenever they ate the fruit, that glory lifted off of them. Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. The glory lifted off of them. And then they were totally nude. And it's interesting because in Genesis 2.25, the word for naked there was arom, A-R-O-M. It means partially naked. But in Genesis 3.7, after they ate the fruit, it's the word arom, E-R-O-M. And it means totally nude. 
So what was partially naked was they were clothed in the glory. Romans 13, Paul talked about an armor of light. We have the armor of God in Ephesians 6, but what about the armor of light? How would you like to live your life wrapped in the glory? There's no reason spiritually, and there's no reason in the Word of God that I can find that that is not possible. We need to quit limiting ourselves, because what limits people the most is what's between their two ears. It's not God, and it's not His Word. If we start thinking more radically, I think that we're going to start seeing more radical things. So start thinking that way. The glory of God. And let me tell you too, I felt this. You know, Benny Johnson talked about praying for your lost loved ones. And she said that God had led her to begin to pray that the Holy Spirit will brood over them. You remember the Holy Spirit was brooding over the earth right before creation. So the Holy Spirit was brooding over the earth and the earth was formless and void. It was dark. It was in a destroyed condition. Something had happened that we don't know a lot about. But it was in a condition where it was destroyed and it was dark. And the Holy Spirit was brooding over it. And the Hebrew seems to indicate like a, like a fluttering. Like, he was, it was like a vibration over it. It was his power. He was brooding over the earth. And then as the Holy Spirit was brooding, then when God the Father spoke, when he spoke, let there be light... And those words came out, the Holy Spirit exploded in power and it came. But he was already at work, he was brooding, he was preparing. So begin to pray for your lost loved ones in the harvest that the Holy Spirit will begin to brood over them. And see, as you pray, you have no idea how powerful that is for your lost loved ones. Because I've heard so many testimonies. I just saw a Jewish man, I don't remember his name, he was on the Sid Roth and they were talking. And he said that he didn't know the Bible, he didn't know God, but there was this young lady, and he was like a teenager or something, but this young lady kept witnessing to him. But her Bible study group that was meeting at house began to pray for him, and that's how come that's the only reason he got saved. Because they prayed him into the kingdom. And what about somebody like Saul of Tarsus or whatever? Let me tell you, people that you're praying for, what will happen is, is they at some point in time will have a collision with the Lord. And Saul of Tarsus was an evil man. I mean, he was a murderer, and he was a very religious man, but he was a very evil man. And while he was on his way to even imprison and possibly kill more Christians, the Lord, just I could just see Jesus, he just stepped in the road right in front of him, and it, it knocked Paul silly. You know, it knocked him off his donkey and blinded him. It knocked some sense into him. But here's the thing. Jesus, had Paul had a collision with Jesus. When somebody's going through their life and they, they may seem to be as hard-headed and you don't know, you're sitting there going, what in the world? I'm praying for this person. What in the world? And sometimes it even seems like that they're getting worse as you're praying. But what's happening is, is that that's, the devil is getting upset. That's probably what's happening about it getting worse. But the, ask the Holy Spirit to begin to brood over them because at some point in time, he's brooding over them and preparing. But at some point in time, they're going to have a collision with the Lord and everything will change. And it'll change in a moment. And it doesn't take long. It may take, it may take years for them to get saved, but it won't take but a few minutes when they have a collision with Jesus for them to be changed. 
All right, number two, how do we get the glory in our lives? Leviticus 14 talks about a leprosy in your house. Now, if you can just hear this real quick. So the children of Israel were going into the wilderness, and they were supposed to go through the wilderness into the promised land. And in the promised land, God said he was going to give them houses they didn't build, vineyards they didn't plant, wells they didn't dig, remember? So here they are marching through the wilderness, and the Lord spoke to the nation of Israel and warned them that when they come in, they're going to be living in houses that they didn't build. Now, historically, the Canaanites knew that the children of Israel were coming. And they were concerned. And so what they did was they melted down their demon gods and put them, embedded them into the walls of their house as little idols or under the foundation. And they were hoping it was superstitious, it was a cult, they were hoping that by doing that, that, that they would be protected from the Israelites. So when the children of Israel came into Canaan, and they started living in these houses, the Lord knew that some of these houses were going to have these little idol demon gods in them. And the Lord said, if I put a plague of leprosy in that house, then you need to scrape it, and if it doesn't go away, that means it's not natural. It's not a natural mildew. It is supernatural. And I put it there and I'm trying to tell you something's wrong with that house. And I want you to tear down the house. And there had to be atonement made. There had to be blood that was shed for that house. There had to be a blood cleansing and a sanctification. They had to tear it down. And whatever was there, if it's some little demon god idol, they had to get rid of it. And they had to take the stones and burn them and had to rebuild. But here's the thing. The Lord was concerned about their house and he's concerned about your house. The Lord will not put his glory where there's a double standard. He's not going to have his glory at church when all the people are going home and they're living in a way that's not right at home and then they come to church and want the glory. God is, God's not a hypocrite. Okay, He sees our lives and if we want the glory, then he wants us to be living in a way that pleases him. So what we need to do is we need to go home and we need to clean house and make sure that there's not anything that is going to cause a spiritual leprosy in that house and make it sterile. Where the glory won't be. The glory dwells where the blood is. And where God has, where you've cleaned house and it's holy before. The glory will come there, but it won't come if there's compromise. And some of the things that, that I recommend, you know, they make these, you know, they should pay me, by the way, if guardian people see this, but they make these guardians that you can buy that block all the profanity. You know, we have one, and I really recommend that because I didn't know if you knew this, but they're, they're talking about lifting the ban off of television to where it can be like the Internet and it's anything goes. So I recommend that you spend a couple hundred dollars because let me tell you, that language, it grieves the Holy Spirit. It really does. Or they're, they're using the F word. They're using God's name as a cuss word. And it grieves the Holy Spirit. And you need to be careful in those words. The Bible says life and death is in the tongue. And, and you know, you, you would get offended if somebody came off the street and was standing in your house just cussing up a storm. But some people will sit there and they'll watch it. And they're letting that stuff in their house through the television. It's the same thing. There's no difference. And those words go out through that television and they go out into the atmosphere and they begin to affect the atmosphere. 
And not only that, but being selective, being careful what you watch. When I get to heaven, I'm not going to be up there in heaven thinking, oh man, I wish I would have seen that movie. You know what I'm saying? That's going to be the last thing on my mind. So I make that point because, you know, some people, listen, just, we're going to have to give up some things. I gave up stuff a long time ago. When I was, you know, when I was younger, and even when I was a, a baby Christian, I didn't know any better. I used to watch a lot of things. But as, as I grew up in the Lord and the Holy Spirit started showing me that it grieved Him, I gave up a lot of stuff. You can ask my family, I don't watch a lot of stuff because of that reason. I just, we're just, it's, it's clean. And so, you know, they're, they're going to lift, I think they probably will lift the ban. I really do. Because that's the direction this world's going. But you're looking at, it, it, there's already sexual stuff on television as it is. And there's already um, an antichrist spirit about it. And you've got sometimes grotesque violence. Let me tell you, some of you are going to have kids one day. And you need to be selective about video games too and what they're doing. Because you can't tell me that you take a little, little kid that's six years old, eight years old or whatever. And they're, and they're taking a remote control and they're ripping people apart, pulling out their heart, ripping them apart on the you can't tell me that that doesn't affect them. And those that 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 aggressive violence, okay, it's like that that grieves the Holy Spirit. It grieves him. And it grieves the Holy Spirit as well where there's witchcraft and the occult tolerated. You know, people are, are, are they're looking at their horoscopes on the internet, they're watching things, and they'll let their kids watch Harry Potter, they're watching stuff. And they're allowing the occult into their, their home. It grieves the Holy Spirit. And not only that, it can actually invite some things, especially with the occult, it can invite some things in you don't want. So have a clean house. Well, what I've done is gone through, taken communion, and I've, I've poured it out over the land and dedicated this land as holy. I've gone through and anointed bedrooms and, and, and prayed over them. I spoke a blessing over I dedicated them. And, and we protect it. I protect the atmosphere. I protect it so that it doesn't get defiled before the Lord. The next thing I want to talk about is hosting God's glory in our midst. Now you clean your life out. You clean out your house. You clean out your, your car. You get all the things out that grieve the Holy Spirit. You, you, you delete the MP3s you need to. You clean it out. Purify your life. And then the glory will come. Now, when the glory comes, you've got to host that glory in your life. And the way that you host the glory of God, number one, is through worship. Well, really, number one, I would say taking communion, the Lord's Supper, because the blood. When you look at the Old Testament pattern, the priest would go into the Holy of Holies, and he would have a little bowl of the sacrificial blood, and he would take it and he would sprinkle it on the mercy seat, and the glory of God would come and light that place up. There was no light there. He was in darkness until the, the glory came. The glory lit it up. But the blood, where that blood was, the glory came on that blood. So I recommend taking the Lord's Supper regularly, praying that the blood is over you, it's over your family, it's over your home, because where the blood of Jesus is, it, there's protection, and the glory will come on the blood. The glory won't come on sin, but it'll come on the blood. And how many knows when the Father sees us and we're repentant, when He sees us, He sees us through the blood. So if you've repented of your sin, He sees the blood. 
and the glory will come on your life. So once the glory, once the blood is there, next, worship. I recommend that you have worship playing in your house. And that if you want to have a rich, powerful prayer life, learn how to open up your prayer life with some worship. However you want to do it. You can worship the Lord, just lift your hands and sing to Him and just worship Him. Or you could play some worship through a computer or iPod or whatever and just worship Him. And I'm telling you, when you begin to worship, the glory comes. But you've got to take that, that time there to worship Him in your prayer life. Don't get into a routine that's so, so rigid in your life that you can't change. Because how many knows I want to be deeper in my relationship with the Lord next year than I am now? So that means I've got to be willing to change some things over this next year, right? I've got to be willing to, to go to another level in Him. So that means your prayer life, God's going to start dealing with your prayer life to become maybe a little different than what it currently is. But begin to come through the blood. You may take communion if you want. But come through the blood and begin to worship. And when you worship Him, the Holy Spirit will come and His glory will come. The next thing is atmosphere. Guard the atmosphere of your home. I deliberately have some things on DVD and on the computer that I play into the atmosphere. And I do it on purpose because it's very anointed, powerful stuff. And I love having it play out into the atmosphere. Just like me saying that, you know, letting all the profanity or the, or the nudity and the the junk you allow, somebody that allows that junk to come through their television or their internet, it can, it can affect the atmosphere in a negative way. But in the, on the flip side, by play, deliberately playing worship and things that are anointed, anointed revival services that maybe you have a, a DVD of or it's on your computer or whatever, by deliberately playing that, playing worship through your computer or, or whatever it is, you're releasing that out into the atmosphere. It will cause the glory to be in your atmosphere of your home. Because I want my home to be a place where it's easy to pray. I've been places where it's difficult to worship and it's difficult to pray. And some of you that you, you live at home with your family and your family may not share your convictions, your bedroom can be a sanctuary. You make your bedroom a holy place. And God will visit you in that bedroom. And as long as you clean out, clean out that bedroom and make it holy before God and you, you get it under the blood make it holy you can take the Lord's Supper there you can worship the Lord there and that place will come a holy place of visitation for you alright the next thing is the person of the Holy Spirit listen you've got to get to know the Holy Spirit as a person he's here in this place I know him I want you to know him the Father God, He is in heaven right now. The Bible says the third heaven, the furthest, you know, northern resources or, or recesses of the universe. He is He's up there in heaven. Jesus is at His right hand interceding for us. The person that is here with us that lives in us, He is with us, and He comes in power in these services is the Holy Spirit. The more that you get to know the Holy Spirit and spend time with Him, the more real Jesus will be to you. The more alive the Bible will come to you and the more you will understand the Bible. The more you will understand the Father. 
It's going to come by your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now look at what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 13, 14. He said, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The fellowship is a word in the Greek koinia. And it implies a real intimate relationship with him. So Paul was saying, I pray that you may have an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. You can be driving down the road, trust me, because I've had it happen many times. you got some worship going or you're listening to a sermon and you just kind of talk to the Holy Spirit. You may be praying in the Spirit and you watch the glory will come in your car and the Holy Spirit will just explode in your vehicle. There's times that people have had to pull over because the glory of God was so strong. You can have that type of visitation in your home and in your own personal prayer life. The only thing that hinders these things is what's between our ears. And let that, if you don't get anything else tonight, get that. Don't let your own mind limit God in your life. We can live in a perpetual place of revival. You know, I remember uh, Rodney Howard Brown used to talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And he, I don't remember the word that he used, but he was talking about you take a glass and you fill it all the way up to the top. And right before it spills over, the water will actually come up and it'll form like a little bit of a dome at the top of the glass. So it's kind of doing like this. And it's like there's just one more little drop hits and then it starts overflowing. And he's saying, I wanted to live my life where I'm filled with the Spirit up to the, to the brim like it's a dome. And it's just the first little drop of the Holy Spirit I'm overflowing. Okay, there's no reason that's not possible. There's no reason that we can't live in the white-hot fires of revival all the time. So how to keep the glory in your life? We've got to walk in forgiveness. We've got to walk in love, which love is not tolerance. But love is displaying Christ to the world. But we've got to walk in forgiveness. We've got to walk in love. We've got to treat other people right. We've got to be honest and have integrity. See, it's so easy sometimes to, to, for people to slip into old patterns like holding a grudge, maybe treating your fellow Christian or treating somebody with dishonor, disrespect, having a, having a bad attitude. And these things grieve the Holy Spirit. So you've got to be really careful to have a close relationship with the Holy Spirit. I want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit to where I could do something or say something and the Holy Spirit can instantly check me and I can pray right there about it. I don't have to wait five days later, go to church, and then in the atmosphere there, it's like all of a sudden now I'm convicted about something I did five days ago. I want it to be something where the Lord can deal with me instantly. I love. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to listen to, to Lyndall Cooley. You ought to look him up on the internet, listen to some of his sermons. He's turned out to be one of the best preachers I've ever heard. And I would have never known it, you know, because he was such a great musician. And that seemed to be his focus. But he's turned out to be an amazing preacher. But one of the things he was saying was, he said, you know, he said, the Bible admonishes me to not judge people. But the Bible also admonishes me to check people's fruit. And he said, so therefore I am a fruit inspector. And he said, if I see in people that they are a liar, an unrepentant liar, they keep lying over and over in their life and they're dishonest. He said, I must conclude that they're not truly a Christian. Because Revelation 21.8 says that all liars will have their place in the lake of fire. He said, I'm not judging you, I'm just inspecting fruit. And I'm doing it in love because I'm concerned for your soul. Isn't that good? 
So the Holy Spirit is very concerned. I'll tell you how to grieve the Holy Spirit quick. He's very concerned with the way we treat each other. Fighting or hurting somebody else, like being mean, that grieves the Holy Spirit quick. What else grieves the Holy Spirit is if, if you're participating in things and the Holy Spirit starts to convict you and you ignore that and you keep doing it anyway. That grieves the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit wants to see in our lives that there's integrity. That we're living what we preach. We're living it out. The Bible says all is sinned and fallen short of the glory. If you get the sin out, the glory will come and the glory will remain. Alright, a couple more things. I want you guys to get this because you never have. And then I'm going to close. I want to talk about overcoming uh, you know, lies. Lies of the enemy. But this is the last thing. I don't know about you, but I want to be a carrier of the glory. Here's, here's the thing. I don't want to just have the glory visit sometimes. I want the glory with me all the time. And I want the glory to be so much in my life that it's like I'm carrying a torch. And everywhere I go, I'm setting other people on fire. It's like the glory is passing from me to other people. I want to be a carrier of the glory. I want our ministry to be a carrier of the glory. So the glory of God... Let me give you some things that will help the glory. Now, I want everybody to hear me with these. These are good and it's important. Number one, it is so important as a congregation that you, as a congregation, that you prepare yourself before you come to church. You know, you don't want to be 30 minutes into worship and you're finally in a place spiritually where, you know, you can be in the flow of what's going on. Prepare yourself before you come to church. Where you don't have to come to church and get around the communion table and repent of a bunch of stuff. You know, deal, deal with it at home. And when you get here, instead of having to, to get all you know, ready, get fixed up, get clean and, and all of that. Instead of having to deal with all that, you can go right into worship and you can minister to the Lord. You know, a lot of people come to church and they come just to get they don't even consider coming to give to the Lord the worship that's doing. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with coming to church to get because there's not. I love coming here because I know God's going to come and I love being in His presence and I love receiving. There's nothing wrong with that. But I'm saying that what if we stopped just thinking about that and we thought about us worshiping Him and giving Him and ministering unto Him because that's what priests did. We are a kingdom of priests, the Bible says. It says a, a royal priesthood, a chosen generation called out to offer spiritual sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God. We're the ones that are supposed to be ministering to Him, worshiping Him. And I remember some churches, and just to, to warn people, but I've seen this over and over where in some churches you would see that people would get into a pattern of during the worship time, they were dragging in late, they would get late to church at the end of the worship, or during the worship time, they were always excusing themselves out somewhere else. Maybe they're going into the coffee bar area and they're sipping on their little latte. You know, or they all of a sudden, every worship service, they really got to use the restroom. I mean, you know, and there they go and they're gone. Or, or they stand out in the foyer and they talk. And it's like, I've seen it a lot. And I'm just saying that there's something there that if you would come to church prepared and you would come to church ready to worship the Lord, how much more would the glory be there? 
It's easy to get distracted by other things, even good things, but getting distracted. You know, when you worship the Lord and you get into the glory, let me tell you, just please hear my heart. And you're in the glory, it's important to stop for a moment and listen to the Holy Spirit. You don't want to get into worship, get in the glory, and then you're just kind of, oh, I'm going to go do my, whatever I'm doing. And you just kind of walk off and, and get out of the Spirit. You're getting, you're getting back in the flesh. Don't do that. Stay still and listen to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, He moves like a gentle breeze. And you have to catch that when it starts blowing. You have to catch what He's doing. And go with him. At any point in time in these services, if the Holy Spirit started moving one direction and I stopped as the pastor or I went a different direction, it would hinder the flow of the Holy Spirit. Too many preachers are putting too much emphasis on what they want to do in a service. They're putting too much emphasis on, well, I spent a long time preparing my sermon. I've got it all written out and all this stuff. And they put so much emphasis on all of that. And let me just say this in love to all preachers, including myself. We're not that important. What we have to say is not the most important thing in the world. What's the most important thing is that Jesus is being glorified and that the Holy Spirit is coming in and he's doing what he needs to do. Yes, the word of God needs to go forth. But the word of God needs to... We need to yield to what the Holy Spirit is wanting to do in a service instead of doing our own thing. And I've seen many times in many churches where um, it'll be stopped. The Holy Spirit is wanting to go further into worship and start moving with the Holy Spirit and it'll be cut off. And then it goes into the announcements or the offering or whatever and it goes into the little sermon. And it's, just, it's the same thing every week, but they're, they're cutting off the flow of the Holy Spirit. And we can't do that. The second thing that a congregation has to do is participate in worship. Not just spectate. And you guys are great. You guys are great. But you're, gonna, you're also going to have to set an example for people that are coming. There's nothing worse when you're leading worship and there's just a bunch of people just... Do they just... And, and, you know, looking at their watch or nowadays, you know, at their iPhone, pulling it out, you know. It's, and you know what? That hinders, that hinders the flow of the anointing. It hinders the flow of the Holy Spirit. And it hinders the glory. There's nothing worse than a bunch of spectators in a church service. Like, what are you going to do? We're here. It's like that. I guess they think it's a concert or something. Yeah, we're here. And what are you going to do to entertain me? What are you going to do? It's like, well, I'm going to worship the Lord, and that's what you need to be doing too. All right. The third thing is the purpose of the worship team. Worship team, listen. The purpose of the worship team is not for you to sound good. The purpose of the worship team is that we host God's presence. And if that ever is not taking place... We will have to deal with that quick because that is the whole reason for the worship team. Some people get they get off into the flesh. You see too much of it in churches. There's too much infighting about, well, you know, I want to play this song. I want to do this. I want to do a sing a solo this, this way. I, wanna, I want the attention. And you see that sometimes people get up and they'll sing. And it's like you know in your heart they're really not singing as a worship to the Lord. They're really singing for the applause of the audience. 
and and they're up there and they're performing not in a way of worshiping the Lord, but they're performing in a way of yeah, that sounds good, you know. And and they're they're noticing it. Yeah, they're doing it for people instead of doing it for him. And that right there will grieve the Holy Spirit because the whole reason the Holy Spirit is coming is to glorify Christ. And people are working against that when they're performing. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with performance because some people are musically gifted and they go out there and they perform and they're amazing. But that's called a concert. And that is not what worship is. When you come into worship, it's the opposite of a concert. And so there, people are getting it confused nowadays. I really feel that. They're getting it confused. They're putting on a concert and the people are sitting out there sipping on their coffee and go, well, man, that sounds really cool. I like that. Yeah, well, she can sing and, and I like the way he plays the drums on stuff. It's like, man, you're missing the whole point. You know, and the whole point is, is that you're having an encounter with the Lord. And the purpose of any lead pastor is to meet with God and cooperate with the Holy Spirit. So that's what I want to talk to you guys as, as I'm about to close this thing out is, is cooperating with the Holy Spirit. Get to know Him. And don't be surprised if in the days to come, if the Holy Spirit doesn't start visiting your prayer life in a deeper way and He doesn't start moving on you to begin to do more soaking in His presence and listening to Him and less talking even though you do need to pray about things. But allow some time where you can soak in the Lord's presence and listen to what He's saying. Get to know Him. And another thing is praying in your heavenly language a lot. I try to pray in the Spirit a lot, especially when I'm driving around on my own, and, I, and it's a great time to pray. Or in my personal prayer life, just praying in the Spirit, because there's so many different things connected with it, building up your faith, it, you're getting more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You're edifying yourself. You're uttering mysteries. The Holy Spirit is praying through you the will of God, but He's also bringing you revelation. You know how I get a lot of the sermons I get? It's because while I'm praying in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is actually praying through me what you're going to be hearing. And then it's uttering mysteries. The Holy Spirit is uttering mysteries through me, and it's revealed to me. It comes through revelation. And so as you spend time with the Holy Spirit, you get to know Him, you're praying in the Spirit, you're, getting, you're developing your inner man, you're developing your inner ear to where you can hear His voice. The Holy Spirit does not shout. He doesn't get in your face and go, wake up, you know, like that. He doesn't do that. The Holy Spirit is one that He speaks gently behind you, and you really have to be listening to hear it. And most people don't. The Holy Spirit is the one going, turn right. Avoid that person. You know, avoid that financial transaction. Do this. Don't do and if you listen to him and you, you learn to, to to feel and sense and in your spirit, man, the Holy Spirit's nudging. You know, I know Sandy enough to know when she gives me a nudge, like she doesn't like something. I can tell. I can tell by the tone of her voice, she doesn't even have to say anything. And I know her enough to know her nudgings and her innuendos. The Holy Spirit kind of operates like that. He's not one that's going to come up behind you and thump you in the back of the head and go, hey! You know, he doesn't do that. He's, he's gentle. Okay? He's gentle, so you have to listen. And he's going to be like a whisper. He's going to say, do this, do that. Okay? 
But it's the same thing with a church service. You have to be sensitive because the Holy Spirit... And let me tell you, I have to be sensitive about a lot of things, but even the song list. Most of the time we practice songs and then we don't do the songs or we do different ones and it just it's all over the place. And so it's and the reason why is because the Holy Spirit wants it that way. He wants us dependent on him. Alright, this is what I want to close with. This is real important and I want people to hear me because I believe I've heard from the Lord that there are people within the sound of my voice, there may be people watching online or people that are going to be watching this video. Maybe you're going to hear this sermon. You're going to hear this MP3. Somehow you get it and you're listening right now. It's a divine appointment. And you need to hear what I'm going to say. But this video or whatever it is you're listening to or watching. Let me explain something about the Lord's kingdom and the devil's kingdom. Jesus was driving out a demon. And they were accusing him of doing it by the power of Beelzebub. And he said, if I'm doing it by the power of the devil, you know, a kingdom divided can't stand. And so he started explaining to him why that was a very stupid line of thinking. But to make a long story short, Jesus was not driving out by Beelzebub, but it was interesting that that word would be used, that title. Because Beelzebub actually translates the Lord of the Flies. Now, where do flies gather? Flies gather to manure and they gather to dead bodies. So Satan is called Beelzebub the Lord of the Flies. Now, follow me. Flies in the Bible are symbolic of lies. Did everybody get that? This is important. Flies are symbolic of lies. So, in other words, Jesus called Satan the father of, you know, he's a liar. He's the father of all lies. That's Beelzebub, the Lord of the Flies. In other words, he's a father of lies. So he's the Lord of the Flies. See the connection. That's Beelzebub. So, I want to explain to you that a lot of times, what people are dealing with in their life, it goes back to a lie that you either told yourself, or somebody told you, or the devil told you, but one way or another, there was a deceptive thought that you entertained, and it got rooted in your life. Now, I want you to hear this statement, and let this be something that stays with you the rest of your life. Benny Hinn made a statement that I loved, and it really stayed with me. He said that if you allow the enemy to get into your mind area, once he gets in here, he said then it will start going out and start affecting your body and other things like your health but once it gets in through and the bible talks about gates of hell a gateway is an entryway so for somebody to get into my backyard they got to come through the gate and we're supposed to be sealed off but whenever people start listening to and believing lies they are opening up a gate for something to begin to come in and affect them now think about the way that flies operate Flies will go onto a dead body and they'll start laying eggs. The way that this thing works is, is once you start believing lies, it's like the devil's kingdom. They begin to lay eggs and those eggs begin to grow and they begin to hatch in your life. Are you hearing me? 
and it starts producing a lot of things. Now I'm going to try to give some examples, but lies, a lot of times, a lot of times, the reason why people deal with different insecurities, they deal with different fears, and they deal with different areas of rejection, is because deep down in there, somewhere, they believed a lie at some point. And they need to go back and let the Holy Spirit put His spotlight on that lie. I'm going to give you some examples. This is a true story about a woman that went through deliverance. And um, when she was a child, about the age of five, she had a two-year-old sister who was born with a disease. She was sick. And she, got, she started to get close to her little sister when she got about two because they could play together. She got close to her. Then her sister died. The parents never really explained in depth to the five-year-old sister what happened because they didn't think she would understand it was a complicated disease. There was complications in the hospital. The child died. They, the parents thought, well, if I try to explain it to it's going to be over their head, you know. Well, here's the thing. At the age of five, there was a lie that the enemy planted in that child's mind that if you ever get close to somebody, they're going to die. Now, that may sound ridiculous to you, but it wasn't ridiculous to the five-year-old. It made sense. So they believed that. So they then go out through their life. This is actually a true story. They go through their life, and they always seem to distance themselves from people. People get close to them, but at some point, they would kind of push them away. They only let people get so close, not even realizing why they're doing it, not even realizing that they are doing it, let alone they never thought it out. It was something that was deep-seated in them. When they got older, the woman got married, and her husband was just a normal guy. But every time he tried to get close to her, she would push him away. Eventually, the relationship ended in divorce. The guy tried to, you know, and I'm not saying it should have ended in divorce, but I'm just saying it didn't work out. And she ended up in, in counseling and all that stuff. And through deliverance, she realized that she had believed that lie. Once she found that lie and she repented of it and got free of it, it was, a real, it was like a trauma-based thing. When that left her life, she was able then to be close to people. But look at all the years of damage that that lie caused. All the friendships. The things about lies is that there's a lie a lot of people believe about themselves that they're unlovable or that they're stupid or if they get close to people that they'll be rejected. They have walls up. And the problem is, is that while people live in fear, they can't really live in love. Because if you're afraid, you've, people that are afraid always have walls up, and they always are pushing people away, keeping them at arm's length, and their attitude is always one of suspicion, is this person going to hurt me or not? And they are always got their guard up, and it's impossible to love anybody. And it's impossible to really receive love when you're living in that type of fear. But rooted in that fear is a lie somewhere that there's going to be a bad thing happen. That's a lie. See, people believe that their past, deter it, that they, people believe the lie that their future is going to be like their past. That's a common lie. But that's a lie. The problem with a lot of the lies is that if you ever stop and think about why do I act this way? Why do I respond this way? Why am I doing this? You'll realize 
and the Holy Spirit will help you, you realize there's a lie. But once you realize that lie is there, you'll realize that it's because you're not having faith in the Lord to protect you, faith in the Lord to provide for you. You're trying to protect yourself. You're trying to um, protect your future and secure your future. And it all is rooted in a fear-based thing. And it's, it's rooted in lies. People have been told sometimes when they were growing up as a kid, maybe a school teacher, a principal, somebody told them something, and they believed that lie, and it affected them for years. When I was very first starting to um, get into music, I remember, you know, I'd never sung before, which I don't consider myself to be a great singer or anything like that anyway, but um, I make a joyful noise, you know. And, but back then, I was just starting out, so I didn't know how. And I remember there was a friend that used to tease me about it, but here's the thing. I shrunk back and didn't sing because of it, and it affected me even into many, many years later, of every time I tried to sing, it was like this intimidation would try to come. But that's a lie from the pit of hell. It's a lie. It's rooted in a lie. You know, and it, there's a lot of things that have happened like that where maybe parents said something. Maybe a grandparent said something. Maybe an uncle. And that sometimes, you know, they don't even mean it in a bad way. Sometimes it's the way it's taken. But there's something that's said, or something that the devil put in your mind. Lies about God, that you know God will do it for them, but he won't do it for you. That's a lie. Or that God has favorites and you're not one. That's a lie. Or that God, and they, the devil will try to make you question God, and if he's a good God, and if he's faithful and all that, that's a lie. Yes, he is faithful. The enemy is trying to be accusing like that because he wants you to believe lies about God. So that you get a bad attitude toward God, who's your best friend and who you need. And he tries to put lies in people's lives against their brothers and sisters in Christ so that they believe things. And let me tell you, even those that that don't like you or whatever, a lot of times they're believing lies that aren't even true. And they don't realize it, but you should feel sorry for them because they're actually giving place to the enemy by believing lies that aren't true. And that, that's wrong. And it's a door in their life. But let me give you some advice. There should be a really big category that has a lot of people in it. And in that category are all the people that you don't care what they think. That should be a big bucket. Now there should be a little bitty bucket over here. And in that bucket is Jesus number one. And then there's the few people in your life that you know and you know real well and you care what they think. They really know you and you really know them. You hear what I'm saying? The Apostle Paul said if I lived to please men, I would not be able to be a servant of Christ. So you're not, you're, there's going to be that issue. You've got to get to where you don't care what people think about you. But there's a handful of people in your life that you, you love them and they love you and they know you. And they can speak into your life and be brutally honest. But you kind of ignore the critics. But sometimes people that, that have been critical and fault finding, they've been under the influence of the enemy. They've been mean spirited. And sometimes people believe those lies. 
They believe the critics. You're never as bad as what those type of people say you are. And the reason why some people, they live so insecure, they live so insecure about their looks because somebody said something one time. Or they, they looked at a, some kind of a TV show movie or something where they thought, well, that's the way I'm supposed to look and I don't look that way. So I, you know, and they get this lie within them that that's how they're supposed to look. And some people have serious marital issues. They can't even be intimate with a spouse because they have deep-seated issues of insecurities that are rooted in lies. And they, there's relational problems in a marriage. Because when you're married, see, then that's where all that stuff comes up. Because, you know, you see people at church or at work, and all that stuff can be hidden. But when, you, when you're with your spouse, it cannot be hidden because you know each other too well. And some of you guys want to get married, and that's, that's a good thing, but... You know, make sure and ask the Lord, well, get me ready. Because there may be some things that he needs to do in you before you get married that you do not know. But here's what Satan wants. Satan wants people to believe lies and then to start speaking those lies out of their mouth. And when they do, it's going to start creating strongholds in their life that are evil. And all of this, I'm telling you, all this is hindrances to the glory. And the Lord wants to visit people. The Lord wants to, to move in people's lives. But sometimes it's the issue of these deep-seated things that will actually prevent and hinder the relationship with the Lord that God wants to have. But here's what the Bible says. We are to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So every thought that is contrary to the truth of God's word. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray. And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to start moving through here real powerfully. And actually start breaking. Here's what I sense. I want everybody to please hear me. This is for some people. But when you believe lies, it creates strongholds in the mind. And those strongholds are areas that the enemy can torment people. It may not come up until you're either asleep. It may not come up until a certain situation arises. And all of a sudden when that situation comes up, it just comes out. And you're like, where'd that come from? But it's different lies that people have accepted. And they think of themselves wrongly. They think of themselves as unattractive. They think of themselves as somebody that nobody would want. They think negative. And that's all lies of the enemy. And if you believe those things, it can hinder people from fulfilling what they're called to do. Because they're always shrinking back. Well, I'm not, I'm not good enough. I can't do it. They always have this negative attitude about themselves. It's rooted in lies. And God loves you and He wants to use you. But how is He going to use somebody that's always shrinking back? So every lie of the enemy needs to be broken. And what I'm going to ask the Lord, I want you all to agree with me. And when I pray it, it's going to happen. 
I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to start bringing up lies that you need to repent of. Y'all listen to me, okay? Everybody get this. This is for each individual person. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to start bringing up lies that you need to say to the Lord, I'm sorry, I believe that. That is wrong. That's a lie. And I'm not going to believe that anymore. And you replace that lie with the truth. Number one. Number two, I'm going to ask the Lord to release angels that will begin to dismantle and pull down strongholds and begin to break through and shatter those, those lies of the enemy and help bring a breakthrough into your life. You guys ready? All right, the Bible says if at least two agree, it's done. So as I pray, it's going to happen. So I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to begin to expose and bring up every lie and let it be exposed for what it is and begin to be dealt with. Lord, I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to bring up things that people have forgotten about. And don't, I ask you, Holy Spirit, don't stop until it's completely done. This may take weeks. It's going to come up all of a sudden. You're driving down the road. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, for clarity. Number two, I'm asking you, Heavenly Father, that you would begin to release angels that would minister to your people. That would begin to dismantle and pull down every stronghold in people's minds and in their lives. And would help destroy those bondages, those works of the devil, and drive away what needs to go. And as that goes, I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to bring healing to those wounded areas. Because a lot of times people believe things, they think, you know, just so negative about themselves or about some characteristic about themselves. And I understand this because there was a time when I was younger where I, I did not like myself and there wasn't really much of anything about myself I liked. I, I just was that type of person. But I believed a lot of lies about myself too. And the truth of the matter is, I may not have liked myself, but the Lord still loved me. And I don't. I need to get over all of that and just understand that, that God makes us the way we are and we just need to just be comfortable with who we are. God gave us our personality. God, God gave us the color of our eyes. He gave us our skin tone. He gave us our lives. And he, God loves us like we are. And God's going to bring you a spouse that loves you like you are. You don't have to be somebody else. As a matter of fact, if you try to do that, it'll hinder the relationship because they want you to be who you are. And God will bring you around Christian family and friends that will love you like you are. The way that Jesus made you to be. And so getting over these lies. And some people feel like that, they, that their life, they feel like they're going to be rejected. And let me tell you something. If you think in your mind and you keep thinking that you're, it's almost like you're putting your faith in I'm going to be rejected. Some people, the first thing they think of when they go around people is, this is going to end in rejection. And so pretty soon they isolate themselves. And they, and they go from place to place keeping everybody at arm's length. They don't want to get close because they, they feel honestly feel like, if I get close to anybody, I'm going to be rejected. So that is, that is a horrible way to live. And God does not want that in people's lives. You've got to get over that and let the Lord heal you from that. And if you feel like there's a spirit of rejection or whatever, that you, you rebuke that thing. And you speak blessings over your life that I'm accepted by God, I'm going to be accepted by His people. 
But anyway, the Holy Spirit's at work right now, and I thank you, Lord, and I take authority. I want everybody to pray this out loud. I want everybody to pray it out loud. People watching online, I want you to pray this out loud. People that are listening to this this, uh, sermon, you may be driving down the road. I'm preaching this in 2012. You may be listening to it in 2016. I don't know. You're driving down the road. Maybe you're on an airplane listening to it on your iPod. Maybe you're at home. However you're doing this, I want you to pray this with me right now. Everybody out loud, repeat after me. Jesus, Jesus, I ask forgiveness forgiveness for every lie lie I've ever believed. believed. All deception. All rejection issues. issues. Wash me in your blood. blood. And set me free. free. I repent. I I set my heart heart to to repent. Show me me. so that I can repent. repent. And in Jesus' name, name, I take authority. I I destroy every stronghold, every bondage, every every work of the devil devil that's been in my life life because of lies. And any spirits of the devil's kingdom that's been tormenting my life with rejection, insecurities, intimidation, self-hatred, or whatever else, I bind you and I command you. You're going to leave my life right now. You're never going to come back. I'm going to be free. The blood of Jesus is against you. He paid for my freedom. And I thank you now. We pray. We believe. It is done now. In the mighty name of Jesus. Let me just pray for you guys. And if you want prayer tonight, we'll pray individually. But I pray, Lord, of every person that's sound of my voice, I curse every work of the devil. I speak over it to be cursed and begin to wither and die right now. I pull down and destroy every stronghold and break every curse and work of the devil. I destroy it in people's lives. And I command that the axe will be laid to the root now in Jesus' name. That truth will begin to invade. I command that tormenting spirits are going to leave people's lives and never come back. People, I bless people are going to stop believing lies. And I bless you that you're going to begin to believe truth. That light will overtake darkness. I command it forth. And I thank you, Lord, for victory right now. As these spirits are leaving people's lives that, that are watching, that are listening, that are hearing this. And I ask you, Lord, to dispatch angels that will finish this work and that, that it will be thorough. It will be complete. And we thank you, Lord, for it. We believe now. And we thank you for the victory. Because, Jesus, you paid for us to have victory and walk in victory. And we are going to walk in the victory that you paid for us to have. In the mighty name of Jesus. I want to. We're going to close out by praying for people here that want prayer. I just want to say that we love everyone and everyone that's been watching. We appreciate you. And we're going to go off. But I just want to say we love and bless you guys. Thank you for being with us and worshiping with us tonight. If you need prayer, I want you to come around and we're going, to, we're going to lay hands and pray for you. I'm going to anoint you with oil. But I want you to listen to me. I want you to take it with faith and also realize that the outworking of this service may mean that it may be over the next several days, weeks, and eight, maybe even a couple months 
that this stuff is going to be leaving and I'm not just talking about like some kind of demonic thing. I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about all the hurt, all the pain. I'm talking about lies. I'm talking about deception. That all that stuff is going to be pulled out. It's going to be leaving. And the Lord, I'm prophesying this now, the Spirit of the Lord says that I'm going to make what seems impossible to you possible. Because it's not going to be by human effort. It's going to be by my power, says the Holy Spirit, that I am going to go in and I'm going to drive out and I'm going to heal and I'm going to set you free, says the Lord. Whew, man. All right, if you want prayer tonight, I'm going to go ahead and put on some worship. Now, I want you guys to uh, just make yourself available. <laughs> 